from you who would you like to hear as a guest on the podcast send me an email at matt at wisefoolpod.com or direct message me on instagram or facebook the entire world is now available through virtual recordings and i want to take advantage of that i want to talk to people in south america asia and africa give me some names and contacts of professional people that work in different aspects and different elements of the art world You can also help by supporting our network through our Patreon account. You can find us at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the wise fool, all one word. If you enjoy the conversations and the insights that you gain from the guests, I would appreciate a five-star rating and please tell your friends to listen and subscribe also. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I know that one of my weaknesses is my inability at self-promotion. So here we go. If after hearing this conversation, you want to know more about me and my artwork, please go to my website, matthewdoles.com. M-A-T-T-H-E-W-D-O-L-S.com. Thanks. of years ago to have conversations with photographers about photography, uh, about the ideas of photography, the philosophy of photography. Started with a little bit of photography history and it's just kind of evolved into uh, more long-form conversations, more around the why than the what. I love the why. The why is the most important thing that most of us don't have the time to investigate enough. Mm, Indeed. I think there are a lot of people who aren't really concerned with the why, though, or the why scares them a little bit. Really? Mm, indeed. People are concerned with the what and the destination rather than the why. And the how. I know a lot of photographers that fixate right. on their technical right. equipment and their processes and all this stuff and not enough on the why. Yeah, absolutely. And the point with the uh, podcast and the conversations was to get away from, um, yeah, to kind of get away from the how and get away from the gear. And uh, although... Uh, cameras are an integral part of photography as far as i'm concerned it is the least important part of being a photographer certainly i mean it's just an instrument it's not that's you know but the the key is how do you play the instrument of course of course yeah just in case you don't know i my my training is also in photography as well right okay cool (laughs) so we're on the same page totally on the same page actually one i i'm still a professor i actually teach photography and i also do portfolio reviews for lens culture Mm, so i i look at hundreds and hundreds of portfolios every week and give feedback and all this so yes the question of why is a prominent thing that i talk to people about because there's one thing like uh, i have this little thing that i actually put in my my responses sometimes which is a beautiful photo will attract the viewer's attention but the why will keep their attention yes indeed indeed and i think that when we add the beautiful photo people strive for the aesthetic and when that is uh, the prominent aspect there's really nothing behind that it becomes very shallow and once you go oh yeah that's wonderful it's a mm, okay next one and that's kind of how a lot of photography is. I mean, you said you do portfolio reviews for Lens Scratch? Lens, lens culture. culture. 
yeah. right and you see thousands of photographs uh, how i mean over what period period of time have you been doing that and have you seen things change really as far as uh, what is what photography is perceived to be uh, I've been doing it now for about three years, uh, and it's all online, so I get stuff from all over the world. The The thing that I learned the most from the beginning to, of doing that till now is, of course, that there are very distinct styles in different regions. So right. okay. Like, okay. like when I look at a portfolio, I can always tell if, if it's from the Scandinavian region. They have a very distinct style that's very uh, iconic to their sort of – uh, Erwin Olaf kind of the, like look to mm -hmm. it, very very mm -hmm. stoic, very still, very quiet mm -hmm. uh, kind of look to them. Versus like let's say an American photographer where it, it's often very dynamic and 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 active and things along these kinds of lines. Uh, so, which photographers would you attribute to that? Uh, uh, which uh, ask that question again? Uh, which photographers would you attribute to that style then coming from that region? As far as the Americans. Oh, to the Americans, it's yeah, definitely yeah. it's definitely going to be like fashion photography is the thing that like mm -hmm. uh, like I found like so I'm an American and I have now been in living in the Middle East and I've also been now living in Europe in Prague and I I remember a time where I sat down with a, an a, an agency and I showed them my portfolio and they just opened it up and they said oh you're American right okay be because. I didn't realize how much my style looked mm -hmm. American. I'm right, doing that okay. in air quotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I didn't realize there was an American look. Mm -hmm. But there, it mm -hmm. seems that, you know, like, let's, let's take uh, editorial work. In Europe, it's often very, the models are very sort of stoic and still mm -hmm. um, or, or very iconic poses. But in America, it's much more sort of seductive and sexualized and erotic right, right. and things like this. So, so like the S curves of a model or the or the showing of flesh kind of things are much stronger uh, influenced in America versus Europe. So, right, okay. these these oh, kinds of yeah, things yeah, yeah. sort of start popping up that I mm -hmm. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it was important. I guess. Right. Okay. So let's get back to you because you're my guest today. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, old habit. And, uh... it, no, no, it's fine. We're welcome to do it. This is a conversation. I'm not a journalist. I have no, I have no set yeah. of questions to go here. So this is this is fine. But the, so I read through your bio about how you sort of uh, bummed around Europe and picked up different things until you found your passion in photography. So like the one of the questions I ask a lot of people basically is like. How do creative people get created? You know, mm. so like, did mm. your parents have an influence on you? Did, a, um, you know, seeing a particular exhibition or a, or a friend or an experience, like how did you even come to the nature of being creative? I think that, I mean, I have quite a I'm checkered history uh, in childhood. Um, I grew up in care and spent. I'm sorry, wait, in what? Oh, in care, in care homes, in, in, the, in the system. Oh, uh, orphan? Is kind that what it's yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Kind of. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, my parents split up when I was uh, three years old, uh, and okay. I was put into the care system. Um, and then I was uh, fostered by a family until I became unmanageable in my uh, teens. And as, we into, as we yeah. all do. As we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think at the time I was um, a little bit angry. I had a lot of questions. I was confused. I didn't feel like I was getting answers. 
So from that, I ended up back into the care system, um, somehow managed to leave school and I finished school and I felt that I had two options when I left school. It was either um, I end up in prison or go in the army. Interesting. Okay. Well, extremes either way. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, they, as far as I was concerned, the only the two, the only two options that I had. Uh, so I joined the army and... After three years, maybe three and a half years, I was in Germany and I kind of just didn't really understand what I was doing. And I didn't really enjoy the army. I felt that I only stayed in the army because of what other people would think if I left too early. And the background that I had, I always had to put on this kind of face. Uh, there was always this kind of, um, I, I was always hiding behind some sort of kind of made up story or lie. Uh, so I didn't want to be labeled as a failure when pretty much that's all I was told that I was ever going to be. So it did get to a point where it was like, hang on a minute, I, I, I didn't go on any uh, tours. So it could have got to the point where I was in a situation where I could be shot at. I was like, well, I'm not really, that's not what I signed up for. Kind of right. Thing. Yeah. Um, what, what, na- how old are you? Oh, this is, I joined when I was 16. This is, I'm like nearly 20 years old here. So, I mean, it, 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 it didn't really make any sense to me to be in the army. Um, so I got out of the army, messed around a lot, got high a lot, tried multiple jobs. I was um, a truck driver. I was a car salesman. I was a double glazing salesman, a milkman, a tout for like nightclub, like anything that I could do that was going to pay me money so I could go and party all weekend. And that was, that was my life. Um, oh yes, I know the feeling. I was a drug addict for many years, right, and I did right. all this kind of stuff. Sure, right. yeah. okay, I, so. I, I even one time uh, I was just sitting around, and needed a job, and I there was an ad in the newspaper that in the classifieds or whatever. There was it, all it said was, "Do you want to work in rock and roll?" Right. Yeah. Yes. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, I want to work in rock and roll. So, <laughs> so I answered, and I ended up being a roadie for five years, touring around right, with rock and roll right, bands. Right, so like, right. That will that will serve your drug habit very well, though. Yes. Absolutely. I was very good at my job. Right. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I messed around a lot. Um, uh, I was a truck driver, as I said, uh, for quite a long period of time. And I think that uh, most of my life, I'd always been interested in like art, music, photography in very small doses. Uh, but the people that I chose to spend my time with didn't, wouldn't have understood that. So that was something again that I, I always, I always felt like an outsider in the things that I was doing and the people that and the groups that I was uh, part of. So. I think that just coming up to about 30 years old, I just felt that I had to do something else. I was just so bored with working for a living, really, and really getting not... It wasn't the working for a living because I work incredibly hard now, still. It was the getting nothing back from that and having no real fulfillment in the things that I was doing. And at the time, I just... I was trying to discover what it is that I wanted to do. And I was, as I mentioned, I was always interested in art and uh, music. And I learned to play the guitar a little bit. Um, I was interested in that. And at the time, my girlfriend, she was an artist and um, encouraged me to go to college to do something else. And photography was uh, the thing that I chose, really. And I did that because I thought it would make me look cool. Fair enough. 
and that was my that was me getting into photography so within a year or so i'd set up a kind of a makeshift studio i was doing um, headshots uh, portraits family portraits um, and i was a fine art photographer Yes, I saw in your bio that you, you whitewashed a fence in the garden to, to use as your studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't understand what I was doing. I um, had no understanding of photography, had no understanding of what photography could be. To me, it was a commercial endeavor. This I can make some money doing this, and I don't have to work. But it became apparent very quickly that I was working, and I wasn't really... I was getting nothing from that, in the same way that when I was truck driving or any other job that I did. I wasn't, mm -hmm. um, there was no like, cre there was no creative outlet because I didn't understand what photography could be. So after a couple of years of doing that, I decided to have a little bit of a break. I was, I was in a band, I was a singer in a band, I was doing some solo gigs, playing old country music and trying to understand what photography was. So my kind of relationship broke down at that point and can you hear my dog? I can. at the door, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, broke down at that point, and um, I just just decided to move away from it and try and figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And I spent a year messing around and playing the guitar a bit, getting interested in the history of photography. And when I decided that photography was going to be the thing that I was going to do, all of my interest in music and my interest in music history and my kind of that obsession that I had with music transferred onto photography. So what I started to do was understand what photography was. And in trying, I also had to earn money. So I thought what I'll do at this time is I'll start shooting weddings because I had requests to do so. And to, it, to me at the time, it was bottom rung photography job. Uh, it's, um, to, in my opinion, it still is, but yes. Right. <laughs> well, that depends on how you approach it. Of course, don't get me um, wrong. There, there wedding. are some incredibly talented, amazing wedding photographers, right. and it. But it's not only a skill for taking, being able to be in the right place at the right time and get the right beautiful shot, but it's also being able to work well with the people, the clients. Like, the, to to be a good wedding photographer also takes a certain kind of personality. Yeah, it's not absolutely. just a I skill mean, as a photographer. I think what we're talking about is running a successful wedding photography business. And it's something that I didn't really want to do. But I started shooting weddings to make some money so I could then go and work on other projects. Um, using my knowledge of what photography is and my reinvigorated uh, as to my approach to what it is that I was doing. And I quickly realized with weddings that that was project enough in itself to then approach in, in a documentary kind of way. And once I started to apply the ideas of photography to this aspect of society that was entrenched in tradition and popular trends, I started to see a kind of a break and an understanding that I never wanted to be a wedding photographer. I'm not a wedding photographer. And I spent a good few years photographing weddings as a documentary photographer. So it was in that kind of realization that once I started to apply my understanding of what photography is, my personal understanding of what photography is, to the subject, I started to then see myself in the pictures. And that's where the creativity side came from. Because once I started to see that, that's when I was hooked. And that's when photography started to make sense as an expressive medium. 
Now, and, and when are we talking about? What's the time period for this? This is like nine years ago, maybe. Okay. I mean, I find it fascinating. I really enjoy your the series of works about you. I'm not a, photo- a wedding photographer yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because like I've always joked about like some of the most memorable things are the the randoms, the accidents, the unplanned. You know what I mean? Mm. The for the formalized things, while they're generally so- societally sort of accepted and expected, yeah, yeah. they're they're nice to have, good memories, all that. But some of the most memorable like circumstances for me like when i go to events or i go to a whatever a wedding and all this kind of stuff it's rarely the ceremony and it's rarely the pomp and circumstance that is the thing that is the thing that you leave going oh you know that what you know the ceremony was beautiful it's always oh that person or that that you know when that person fell over here when that person got too drunk like these are the stories we remember from these kinds of situations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. indeed i mean the things like the first kiss, the ring shot, the ceremony, that to me is just boring and obvious. It's like sunsets and churches, man. Well, it's the expectations of society yeah, that those yeah. exist. You, you yeah. have to document that because that's what they're paying you to do. But you can do it in your own way. That's the, the thing that people tend to approach it in exactly the same way, in the expected way. Well, because that's what's interesting. Well, also, it's interesting because, like, that's changed. Because, like, 30 years ago when I started studying photography, that was not the norm. Like, you had to, as a wedding photographer, you had to, you literally had to, like, have the these certain photos and they had to be done in very certain ways. And in the past 20 years, 25 years, the the client's expectations of the, the the different styles and different ways to be able to achieve these expectations. So like the idea that all these formal things must be taken, it's not really true anymore. Like I got married five years ago and we ended up hiring a an artistic photographer who didn't do any of those very right. standard yeah. traditional yeah. stuff. And we told him not to do them. We said we didn't want them. Um, so it, it, the client's, uh, or the public's interest in what they want from these events has, I believe, evolved a bit in the past couple of decades. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. But there is still quite what used to be traditional. Uh, what used to be traditional is different to what is traditional now because although people are doing it differently, there is still a, still a general consensus on how it should be done. Oh yeah, yeah. And as far as yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, the only way that I think it should be done from is from my own perspective, and that's how I've managed to, I suppose, carve a path through what wedding photography is. Well, and that's the thing that photographers, as a general whole, don't understand is, is like, to a certain extent, you have to work within the existing framework that exists, but you, what you do is you sort of slowly try and in, integrate your own vision, your own perspective into things, and then yep. sort of build, start to find a way to build a career on that. But it's not, it can't be immediate. Like a lot of the people that I talk to and people I do reviews for, they all think like, I'm just going to walk into the industry and I'm going to be myself and people are right. just going to like right. it. And right. it's like, you do have to play a little bit of the game to be part of the game before you can start to make too many dramatic changes. Right, absolutely. I mean, like, as you, I, like I've been at this for 15 years now, and th- it's just starting to get recognized. So, 
Well, you seem to be doing very well. I mean, you're, you're, according to your website and all this, you have great accolades and all kinds of stuff. And I recognized your name. And of course, you have you have a, the the support of Martin Parr and all of those kinds of people, which yeah, is yeah. amazing to have. Yeah. Like that's a. Uh, th- so one of my big questions, of course, is how do photographers or any artist g- sort of gain this? So, like, what what happened in your career that got your you noticed by the Martin Parr and Martin Parr Foundation? Working on the photography, always trying to, well, if we can go back a little bit, I think that my change and my understanding of photography or the direction came from me seeing something in my own photographs that I wanted to pursue rather than seeing something in somebody else's photographs that I should pursue, which is how we all start. We all start in a way, uh, we really like this kind of photographer, exactly the same with music. I like this kind of music, I'm going to play that kind of music. But what we have to do eventually is through our own study and our own practice and our own, I suppose, understand, personal understanding of what photography is, we will then understand what it is about our own photographs. And again, I mean, I, I can use the word artist, but it, it's an arbitrary term, that as an artist we then have to... I suppose, expand on what we see and what what we like in our own work rather than what we like in other people's work. We have to branch out on our own and do our own thing. So there are um, a million workshops, um, ideas, understanding of how to get noticed, how to get on the first page of Google, how to run a successful whatever kind of photography business, how to get the right clients. And it's all nonsense to me because all I've ever done is work on my own photography and try to make that better and never really listened to anybody else, especially within the wedding industry, about how they think it should be done. So after eight or nine years of doing it my own way, then that kind of gets recognized whether for whether people think it's right or whether people think it's wrong. And what happened a couple of years ago is Martin was talking at a photography conference in Barcelona. Um, and he didn't realize until he got there that it was predominantly wedding photographers. So as Martin is, Martin is telling them that they should be really looking at it from their own perspective rather than an industry perspective, a few people had said to him, have you seen the work of Ian Weldon? He shoots weddings as well. And the next morning I get an email from Martin Parr. Wow, that is very fortuitous. We create our own look, man. If Martin Parr had looked at my work and it was horse shit, he wouldn't have even bothered like, sending the email. It, 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 the amount of work that he's seen in his life, you know, the kind of oh, work God, that he yes. creates, being the Magnum photographer, president of Magnum Photos, you know, the standard of work. If my work was rubbish, then it would have gone nowhere. That, that person telling him that he should look at my work would have just ended at him looking and going, meh. So if we go back to the idea that all I ever did was make, try to make my photographs better, and my, applying my understanding of what photography is to the subject, and trying to figure out the why, and having something to say. So it's all, we create our own look. So, uh, as I mentioned, and things just went from there. Um, uh, Martin visited Newcastle. I uh, picked him up at the airport. Uh, we went for dinner, had a conversation. He offered me a show um, at the Martin Power Foundation, um, which, as far as we know, is the the first exhibition of wedding photography in an art photography context. 
I would imagine that's true because art generally looks down on wedding photographers. Absolutely. But I'm not a wedding photographer. It's true. Uh, you even uh, have a uh, book with that title. I even have a book. And uh, Martin wrote the foreword for the book too. So um, to, have, to have him on board um, with the work, for me, it means a lot because it was photographers like Martin that changed my understanding, not only changed my understanding of what photography was after maybe three or four years of being a photographer, but in the process, changed me as a human being for the better. So yeah, uh, it, it's a great thing and to have his support and now I suppose I can even call him a friend um, and all that he's done for me and yeah, all the advice that he's given and all the help, it's um, I, like, that's the greatest compliment to me. No matter the accolades that I've received over the years for wedding photography or all the features that I've had worldwide from CNN to BBC World News, Vice, um, or every major publication has reviewed my work, which is quite amazing. That I'm not really interested in that, and that's not what I set out to do. What I set out to do was to make meaningful work and contribute to photography itself, and to have somebody who I respect as much as Martin say that what you're doing, man, that's good. I will support that. That's compliment enough, you know. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, that that's what we all look for. We all look for the uh, sort of the respect of the peers but we you know we'll say even like peers above us mm -hmm. you know because like i mean all of the art world or the photography world and all this it's it's it, it, to a certain extent it's sort of classic classist like there are certain people of certain level and people of other levels and then the third or fourth level i don't know how many there are and we always look up to people and desire mm -hmm. the respect mm -hmm. and the admiration of the people who either came before us or who are better than us and it's always something we strive to attain but yeah. oftentimes fail at right yeah <laughs> indeed one other question. Okay, so like my podcast, this podcast, is about trying to figure out how people can be more successful in their careers. Right. And one of the things that I often wonder about is, like, for instance, you have a uh, you have a representative, you have an agent of some sort. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I have I've been in photography for uh, twenty to almost twenty five thirty years now. I have no idea how people approach or how they work with. I know nothing about the relationship of like photographer agent relationship. How did that come about? So how did you even attain that? I mean, I know Martin is also represented by the same agency. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sure that there's some connection yeah, yeah. there. But, you know, like how does that whole system work? Like what's what is it um Yeah, tell me more about it basically. I right. don't know much um, about so it. So as far as like how that came about for me, and what that entails. That, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I've always done commercial work um, to some extent. Um, it always was something that would pay the bills, as well as wedding photography, I suppose. A couple of years ago, once I started getting um, the recognition, um, then the work was in front of more important eyes, uh, PR agencies and art directors, and um, I started getting emails uh, and calls for larger commercial jobs. Um, I mean, I shot a, a campaign for Hampton by Hilton. I shot a campaign for Huawei. Uh, I shot a wedding on one of their phones. Um, so once we started dealing with clients of that size, it was kind of, it was uncharted territory for me. And what I didn't want to do was uh, either undersell myself 
or totally priced myself out of the job. I needed to understand how all that works. And in trying to understand how all that works, I realized that I didn't have time to do that. that that's not my job. I'm a photographer. Um, Correct. So, that's that's the big question. <laughs> right, yeah. So I forwarded uh, one email. that uh, There was a, a client that contacted me, and I spoke to them and asked if they would send me some scope, and I would have a look over the weekend. And there was a lot of stuff in there that I just didn't understand or understand, not just understand uh, what it was, but understand how to price for that kind of thing. And um, once we start talking about um, licensing and whiteboarding, it's, it all kind of gets a little bit out of hand. So I asked Martin for help on that. And uh, Martin then put me on to uh, David Burkett at DMB Represents, who has been Martin's commercial agent for the last 16 years. So if Martin trusts him, I trust yeah. him. Kind of Absolutely, yeah, but he sure. also re- he also represents Bruce Gilden, Nadia Lee, Steve Counts, um, a whole host of very individual photographers. I think so. Having conversations with David, he just what David does for me is if a commercial opportunity comes up, I direct them to him, and he sorts out everything. He sorts out how long it's going to take to shoot, uh, how many days I will be booked for. DMB are also a production company, so something along the lines of, I don't know, for example, a, a dog collars, they will source models, uh, dogs, contracts, uh, also assistance, whether it be lightning, whether it be Digitex, and he handles everything. So all I have to do is turn up and shoot. That sounds like magical. Right, absolutely. But obviously, I'm involved in the process. Um, I'll be involved in kind of, okay, well, I, I'm, I am not able to do that, so we're going to have to do it this way. So I'm involved in the creative process. David is involved in uh, production and the legalities and licensing and everything that goes with that. Right, um, and the logistics is, and everything. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And that is something that he is uh, very good at. And that I can trust with to do the best for me in all situations. And that's how that works. It's fascinating to me. I mean, I'm aware of it, but like, I don't know. It's been hard for me. The reason why I'm making this podcast is because I was in academia for 20 years. And what, what I realized was, is that early on in my career, I basically made the choice to be in academia. I said, I'm going to be an academic. Right. And what I've now realized after 20 years in academia is that sort of the academic structure is sort of falling apart uh, in many ways. And so so that uh, in the old days, you know, way back when, 20 years ago when I started, Mm -hmm. uh, academics was the the great way to get stability and have health insurance and have a retirement fund and whatever else, which none of that exists or very little of it exists anymore. And so now I'm realizing, oh, crap, I need to basically redefine my career and I realized that I have absolutely no idea of how the contemporary art world photography world right. whatever okay. works yeah, yeah. and so I'm trying to find out like how you know in the in the 20 year absence while I was up in my ivory tower in academia how have things changed and how did they evolve so like what what kind of what kind of things work for you like the these days like so like you use social media a lot you have a, a strong website you have a good website for your podcast also you're doing podcasting so like what are the things that are are being successful 
let's say either both creatively because I think the I think the podcast probably nourishes you in some sort of creative way, and then the the you know the the commercial work f- sort of fulfills you in some financial way. Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, wh- how is it all fitting together for you in these sort of more contemporary times? Um, well, I mean, if we go back to what you mentioned about um, academia and how that is, I used to lecture on photography history, and. I also have taught beginner photography, uh, have run a project-based development uh, for photographers uh, through longer workshops, um, mentoring, and all of these kind of things. And I've done that on an academic level and a private level. And what I realized, why I got out of um, lecturing and being part of the college was they were not preparing people for the photography industry. Not at all. No, they were putting them through a step. You tick this box, tick that box, look at that, do this, do that, and there was no preparation for the photography industry and giving people a false understanding of uh, a kind of a false security and oh well, I've done a course, I'm now a photographer. Yeah, I mean, I I actually know I actually know this guy. I'm not going to say his name. Who went and did? He went to do one workshop at the main photographic workshop, literally one workshop and then he went back home and said oh i can do this i'll just be a photographer and he did and and what's sort of annoys me is is that he did he ended up making over a million dollars a year doing stock photography right okay i mean if people um some people are really good at navigating the industry they are really good uh, at running a business they are really good at kind of sales and they are really all of that i am no good at any of that kind of stuff me and that's too. Not what I want. That's not what I want to be. So my focus has always been work on the photography, make the photographs that I would like to look at, and do it in my own way, because that's for me. That's the only way to do it. So how does it all come together? I mean, even the commercial work for me is people that I'm being contacted to go, just come and do what you do for us. Oh, that sounds magical again. That's exactly how. And the only way that I could have ever, the only way that I could have done that, is to work on my own photography, to work on what, what it means to me. So the, the thing that I always come back to when I have um, students, when I have, uh, when I have these conversations is like, just the only way you can do it is your own way. Work on, work, work on your own photography, work on making yourself and your photography better for you, not for anybody else. What I'm doing is everything is just an extension of either myself or something else that I'm working on. I'm not doing one thing to say, like I'm not doing the podcast to get more clients to work commercially. And the commercial work that I'm shooting comes off the back of the personal projects that I shoot, uh, the wedding photography, because everything that I shoot, whether it be commercial, all the way to high end, the most high end commercial job, down to bodybuilders in a worker men's club in Gateshead, it's all shot in exactly the same way. The podcast, I approach in exactly the same way as I do my photography. I just turn up and see what happens. You know, with an understanding that there is no ego, with an understanding that it can go absolutely anywhere, and with an understanding that I am always open to seeing what happens. So everything is just all part of, it's all part of the same thing, really. Um, the podcast itself has been limping along for the last few months because um, I've been busy doing other stuff. 
and I'm a photographer, not a podcaster. But with the current situation that we're all in, I've been able to focus my attention back on the podcast a little bit. And there are other ideas um, that I have for that, and I'm trying to get people on board that can um, help me with the logistics side of things because like, uh, my attention span is shocking. So I need somebody who can organize the ideas. So the shockingly, ideas around... shockingly short attention span? Shockingly or shocking... short. Yeah, okay. shockingly short. So I'll be, if, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I need, I have the ideas and I have a lot of the framework in place for things like um, a blog slash magazine type of thing um, that we can run under the out of focus umbrella. Live events, kind of uh, monthly uh, image reviews. What else? Education as well is something mm -hmm. that I've just never had the time to give it the time it needs, if that makes sense. Well, goodness knows right now with the quarantine around the world, you have time. Indeed, indeed. We all have so, time. Yeah. So having that framework in place and now um, speaking to a couple of people, this might be an opportunity to grow the out of focus brand. Well, it's not really a brand. It's just a thing, you know to grow what out of focus is into something that is a resource within the photography industry that has integrity. There's a, the, that conversation about why people take pictures is, is to me one of the most important things because right. like I'm continually looking at portfolios and I'm continually, you know, still even I have my students and all this kind of stuff. And, and for that matter, I even sit in the studio and work on my own stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I literally just always question myself when I'm about to, you know, anytime I'm about to click the shutter, I'm like, why am I going to click this shutter? Like, what's this thing that's so much better than any image I've ever seen that somehow expresses something brand new or different or unique to my perspective that has never been done before? Why should I take this picture? And then like, there's also the question of like, A, why does a photographer take a picture? That's a very important question. But then why should a viewer, a collector, a publisher, an editor, or whatever, why should they be interested in it? Which then leads to another question that I'm big on, which is artist statements and texts that we often have to write for things. How do you feel about those kinds of things? Just looking at kind of the why and why other people um, should either buy or commission or um, whatever. If we think about that aspect of what it is that we're doing, then we are likely to give up some sort of creative control. Hmm. If we only think about why we're doing it, then we don't know who we're going to please on the other end. And that shouldn't be the important part for me. The why for me is because I believe photography in some way really saved my life. It had given me purpose. So I have a duty to be the best I can at that thing because that then, it's, it's also self-serving because then that gives me great pleasure in doing so. So it's this kind of circle. But in turn, although that it's self-serving, it has made me understand the world around me. It's helped me understand myself. It's given me more empathy and understanding and look, everything the photography does and everything that everybody has talked everybody who's ever done anything with photography talks about the same kind of thing and that's true for me too so that is pretty much the only reason that I'm doing it obviously we all want to make some money and as you said that doesn't come straight away we have to work on the photography first we have to understand what it is that we're doing or at least try and understand ourselves that's the difficult part
it's hard. I mean, I'll often talk about like how we need it. Like I use the terms like a, a visual vocabulary or a, a, an authentic voice or these kinds of things that sort of define who we are as yeah. uh, among the billions of photos taken every day. So like trying to find that unique quality, that authentic thing that is your own is a, it's one of the most difficult things that any photographer could ever try and find. And B, oftentimes what I find is, is that the person doesn't even notice it. Uh, it oftentimes takes right. an external yeah. influence to say that thing that you mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. think is impressive, that's mm-hmm. actually your unique thing. And yeah. so some, some, you know, a lot of people take a lot of pictures and they don't show them to their peers or people they respect and and that's going to hurt them because mm-hmm. a lot of times that outside um, perspective will help them realize the unique qualities that they produce yeah 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 absolutely and i think there's also an aspect of people think they know what it is that they want to say or they know they think they know how it has to look at the start which is impossible. And I always use the analogy of until you learn how to sing, you don't know what your singing voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly the same with photography. Until you understand what it is that you're doing, you're not going to understand what it should look like. So there's, there should be no real, there's no real goal. There shouldn't be any real destination. There should just be the practice and the study. And the image is a consequence of that practice and study rather than. It's it's the image is the form that follows the function of the practice and the study rather than the destiny rather than it being a destination. And I love all these kinds of great philosophical conversations. My difficulty, of course, is that I'm always sitting back and I go, "This is great," and I and I wish that all creative people had that luxurious lifestyle to be able to take the time to do all these kind of things. But unfortunately you know, 90, 95% of us have to go to jobs and make livings and we right, you know doing right, other things. Right. And so, we, like, we don't until, have that. Up until three, four years ago, I was working three jobs. Yeah. I was photographing. I was, I was still truck driving on a weekend. I was teaching, you know. I've, I, I, even three years ago, I was a pizza delivery guy just so I could keep some money coming in while I was working on my thing. And I have especially wedding photographers that I have conversations with who say to me, so how can I change from what I'm doing to what you're doing and how do I get the clients that I want? Well, first of all, you're going to have to lose all of your social media following. You know, you're going to have to start again. You're probably going to have to go and get a job. So when people say they don't have the luxury and the time because they have to go and get a job, like, man, I fucking worked three jobs like up until two or three years ago. So I'm still working four jobs. (laughs) <laughs> so you do have the time it's just whether it's a priority or not so my priority is to do it my way so i will do everything i can to make sure that i can do it my way and i'm not giving up creative control and i admire and respect you for all of that well thank you very much <laughs> so so a little bit of nuts and boltsy kinds of things so like do you use i mean i know you use it but i'm being polite like so do you use social media and like sort of how do you approach What's your approach to using social media? I used to use it in the way that kind of I thought that I should be doing it uh, to build an audience, to build a tribe or whatever nonsense it's called these days. Um, but build I mean, a community. Facebook, build a community. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do that with um, the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but the podcast is a different thing to the... It's, it's a different kind of thing to the photography because 
that needs to be something that is a resource for other photographers and other people. So I can't just be like, well, bullshit, it's my way or the highway. It kind of is like that, but it's more, it has to be accessible to people. So they come for the fluffies and then they stay for the conversation and the philosophy, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. That's a different kind of thing. But I mean, Facebook is really just, I don't know. Facebook to me is like the TV of old. There's just nothing on there that's of any interest, really. I do keep a presence on there because, well, basically, it's just cross-posted from Instagram. But I use Messenger. I'm in contact with people all around the world, and I can still use Facebook for that. Um, And it's still the odd thing. I'm not really invested in it at all. But Instagram, I feel, is somewhere that I can just keep a diary for myself, but also let people see what it is that I'm working on. And it's not a, hey, look at me, look how great I am. It's just like, at the moment, this is what I'm working on. At the moment, this is what I'm doing. Because I still want to um, hopefully get some commercial work from that kind of thing. You know, and it is, it's a social platform so we can share. It's difficult to use a website and have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages on there of all the different kinds of things that I'm doing and having to update that on a daily, a weekly, if not daily basis kind of thing. It's kind of pointless. So the website really is a, this is an overview of what's happening at the, happening at the moment. Here's some stuff that I did. This is some cool stuff that happened. And Instagram is more of a rolling diary of, I'm either working on this or here's some other here's some stuff that I've worked on. So I try to post daily. It's difficult to keep up with that kind of thing. But it, it, it just all depends like on time and I'm just using it for people to kind of see, yeah, what I'm working on. And, and it's, I don't care whether I get any likes or whether, you know, like it's just there <laughs> and people can see the work if they want to. Well, that, and that's, a, that's an interesting sort of dynamic too that's going on, which is like, because of things like social media, websites, all these statistics, all this data, all these analytics, all this kind of stuff, we, fee- many of us, you obviously don't because you don't care, but many of us have this sort of odd fascination with the like uh, attaining appreciation and respect through social media, which my opinion on that is, is that that is not what you should be looking for. That's not something, I mean, it's just a, it's just a passing thing. Like, it's like, Hey, nice work. Like I hate it when like, I'll have an exhibition and people will be like, nice work. And like mm-hmm. that mean that's mm-hmm. meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like you mean, but like a good conversation or even better yet, if somebody actually purchases something or commissions something like that's when I know somebody actually appreciates my work, yeah, but somebody yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. nice work. Like it's not, that's not enough for me. I have, um, I kind of take uh, umbrage with, People trying to leave, I don't know, either sarcastic or funny comments. So a comment about, ha, ah, well, that's because of this. Right, no, no, you'd like, either leave nothing, <laughs> or you're not actually commenting on the photograph. You're trying to make a joke of what's, what the content is, and that doesn't really make any sense. It's a pointless endeavor. Like, are you trying to show me that you're funny? Are you trying to show other people that you're funny? Or, like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me. So I think that's one prob- issue that I have with Instagram, I think. Well, and, really the, and the trolls that, uh, the, the, of course, it try to instigate issues and problems <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, they're they're their yeah, own yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like, I mean, like, I, would it make a difference if I didn't use Instagram? I don't think it would make any difference at all if I didn't use Instagram, you know? But it is there, and it's somewhere that I can put things, and I don't know, people can like it, people can not like it. Uh, I might It might start a conversation about something, or 
You know, somebody might see it, which I have done, and go, I really like this work, can you show me more? And a job's come off the back of it, you know? So how is um, the current situation as far as the coronavirus affecting you? It's funny, I get this question a lot. Um, how is it affecting me? None. Uh, I'm an artist. I, I actually, I, I literally, all my jobs are online jobs and I work right, from home yeah. anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. the only difference is, is that I can't go to a cafe and do work when I want to because, well, mm-hmm. cafes mm-hmm. are closed. But yeah, um, yeah no, I, I'm a bit of a recluse already, so right, not, right. Not, not that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of, it, it, I mean, the differences, like, for me really are, like, I mean, I... I work from home uh, quite a bit, um, so like I'm used to spending a week at the screen uh, processing or uh, whatever it is that I have to do, uh, working on the podcast, recording podcasts, but I do have a whole load of stuff, like my calendar is just emptied and like for the, for the foreseeable future. Well, that's a, that's a question like me because a lot of photographers still, like it, no matter what level of photography you are, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or just getting started, I mean, you're working on the gig economy. So like you need the gigs, you need the bookings. And like right now, I feel like basically everybody has just cut all future bookings. They're like, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Let's just cut it all out. So like, how are you dealing with basically having a completely empty calendar for the future? Um, I mean, it's tough. Uh, Fortunately, I'm in a position that um, I've had a good year or two. I can, for the foreseeable future, I'll be okay, but then that starts eating into my savings and it could get to a point where I'm completely starting again. I'm trying to get out every day on my walk. Uh, I live 15 minutes away from the city centre, uh, so I can do my walk, walk around, uh, make photographs, try and document what's going on uh, under lockdown conditions. I have a couple of ideas for other projects. So for me, and I think for anybody who is a photographer, you can't drop off the radar and go, oh, fuck, I've got no work and stick your head in the sand for two months, you know, because then you really will be starting again because everybody will forget about you and everybody will all drop off. Yeah, man, like I'm just keeping busy working on the podcast, working on out of focus, uh, making sure that I'm still shooting, but I can't do that indefinitely. I do need the work to start coming in uh the beginning of the year it was like this is going to be a fucking good year man and now it's the worst year i've had in (laughs) i can't say how long you know so it's um it's a tough one but again i'm in a fortunate enough position i have some space we have a garden um we can go for walks Uh, i'm not um in a high rise with five kids i'm not um on the bread line Um, i'm not struggling uh, which is something that Obviously, I have to be um, grateful for. But, yeah, it's just a it's, it's a funny situation. I do, don't know how long it's going to last. Hoping it is going to be just a, a minor upset for now, um, as far as the work is concerned. It, it's interesting because, like, it's, it, to a certain extent, it's like the, a, a leveler, basically. Like, everybody's sort of going to have to reset everything and rethink everything. Like, all of the traditional ways that we have done things, no matter what. So, art industry, photography industry, social media, advertising, publicity, whatever. Like, all this stuff is going to have to be rethought uh, for the future. So? 
I think for for a little while, I think there's going to be a dramatic shift, and then then it'll just go back to normal. Yeah, maybe in like a year (laughs) from now, if if there's no continued uh, sort of uh, ongoing virus kind of thing, then then yeah, it'll always reset to a a lot of the tradition. But for a while, things are gonna have they're gonna have to change because well, we don't have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my hope is, I mean, I've had I've had one really big job, big wedding uh, that was in San Diego in July, and they've just outright cancelled the gig, which is uh, a bit of a kick. Two commercial jobs, and with, with those three jobs, that would have set me up for the next year to be able to do whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have still taken on um, other weddings and personal work, but I would have been able to do a little bit more traveling to work on personal projects, and that this year now is um, completely out of the window, and that's the thing I'm concerned about most. It's the personal projects that I can't, that I won't be able to shoot. Well, well, that actually, I have a question about that. So you said that basically what you just defined was two uh, two advertising assignments in one wedding and maybe a few other weddings. So like how many, how many sort of, how much time do you spend and how many do you have to do of the commercial work in order to be able to afford that time and space to be able to pursue your personal projects? It all depends on the um it all depends on the job, man. It all depends on what's the, the, the length of the job. The if it's a commercial job, it depends on the client, it depends on their usage rights, it depends on how many shoot days, and that can be anything from ten grand to forty grand. You know? A wedding the difference between one day and five days is the difference between six grand and thirty grand, you know? It's I'm like, sorry, a five day wedding? Are you yeah, like well, doing, I mean, in five India? Days of, no, yeah, kind of. I mean, but some people, um, like I shot a wedding um, last year that was over three days, but people were arriving on the first day and they were having a bit of family time. And the second day was just a, like a rehearsal dinner type thing, which was like a casual get together. And then the third day was the wedding. But obviously I'm there for the three days. And most of the time, man, I'm just like part of the wedding party. I'm not, it's not like photographer wedding party. I'm just in with it. And that's kind of how I work. So it all depends on the job. I mean, if I get two good uh, commercial jobs and one good wedding, that would pretty much set me up for the year to do what I wanted to do. I would still shoot other weddings. I would still do other commercial jobs. But if I had them in the bag, I know that I could then travel to like Spain to shoot something or travel to New York to do something. Or I, I could maybe do three or four trips a year based on getting that work. Sure. So really, everything the weddings and the commercial work now are only there to fuel the personal projects. As almost everybody, every creative person, we all yeah. do some job that basically funds our personal projects until yeah, absolutely. up until the point where our personal projects have income. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think that I never really have any desired uh, end for a project. But it will get to a point where it's like, mm, maybe I've got enough here for an exhibition or a book or, you know, maybe I'm, there's enough work here and enough quality work uh, to put a book together on this subject or on this thing. And that, that's pretty much all I'm interested in. But the, it's all the more that I shoot personal projects, the more that gets recognized by people who want me to do that kind of thing for them commercially. So it's just 
it's just a circle, man. It's the circle of life. It so. is. Well, you have an interesting luxury because you you have literally taken your income job. Let's just focus on the wedding stuff. Mm-hmm. The things literally like you did originally as a as a as a business, mm-hmm. and then you found a way to make it into a per- you, like, take the time and the energy and the the yeah. effort that yeah. you're putting yeah. into that and make it a personal project, incorporate it into it. So literally, every time you get a wedding, you're being paid and you have the access right. and the resources yeah. to make additional personal work while being paid by a client that's yeah. that's magnificent right that's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's um it's not a bad position to be in i know uh, it's good but that, that that but that comes from just being honest up front and i could have been far more financially successful as a wedding photographer if i was a wedding photographer like i haven't really made a great deal of money out of weddings you know but in doing what i've done uh, I've been able to build up a body of work around weddings and will continue to add to that, you know, and be paid for it while I'm going, yeah. Well, I have a question also about, you talked about your books. Um, mm-hmm. So so you have, I know, I'm not sure how many you have. I know of one book. Oh, just, how many? Just, just the one at the moment. Okay, that's why I was like, I could yeah. just want only one. Um, how did that come about also? Like, I'm because, of course, all artists, we all want to make monographs. We all want to make mm-hmm. books. So, like, how how did that process sort of come to be? Um, we were and don't selected. say Martin Parr. We were selected. Funnily enough, we were. I was sitting with Martin going through the final images for the um, for the exhibition, and uh, Rudy from RRB Photo Books um, was there, and it just came up in the conversation. Do you think we can? Do you think there's a book in this? And like Rudy had a look. He's like, mm, I don't know. We'll have to have a look and talk about it. And I went away. And saw him later on that evening, and he said, "We need to talk about." It. He went, "I had a look at the work, and because it's a, he said, because it's a kind of fuck you to the system, I want to make, I want to make the book." And then we worked out um, a pretty good deal, and uh, we did a thousand copies, which is now sold out. And I said, "Well, well," I, I said to Rudy, "Do you think we can get Martin to write the foreword? Because that's going to be like it's a thing for me, but it's also like." I don't know. It gives it some chops, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You want to get somebody admirable to yeah. to be and Martin, and respected. Um, and Martin wrote the foreword, so and that's pretty much how that came about. Um, as far as the uh, sequencing um, of the book, uh, we basically just used it as um, a kind of a catalog for um, the exhibition, and the way that uh, we worked the exhibition out and the sequencing was from morning prep to the end of the day. And that's that's how we did it. Uh, so that's how the image was selected. So although it was from over, I don't know, 80, 90 weddings, we made it all look like, or, or it could have been one in the format. Right. Yeah, I totally get it. So they, the yeah. be, like, the start of the preparations of the wedding all the way to the end of the wedding, yes. regardless yeah, yeah, yeah. of which wedding it is. Sadly, I don't own one of these books. but oh well. uh, They are sold out, to be fair. Yes, I know. That's why I said, sadly, I don't own one of these books. But I've seen some of the images nonetheless. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so as far as, um, from what I understand, and then there's the thing is like, we are working on ideas for uh, book two. We'll see how that goes. And I think with the first one selling out, that puts me in good standing for book number two. uh, Because uh, people couldn't get the first one, they might want the second one. Or you could reprint the first uh, the first one in the second edition. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm the way that I feel about it is like I've done that one. 
it's done and we can uh, I can move on from that and try something else uh, a different type oh I suppose it's all the same kind of photography it's all kind of social commentary social documentary but not uh, social deprivation and hardship and underbellies of society kind of thing because I'm not really interested in that there's enough people doing that man I just want to focus on the stuff that's I don't know amusing serious I think all, what I'm trying to look for all of the time within the projects and the photographs themselves is something that's utterly ridiculous but utterly serious at exactly the same time. Like the bodybuilders. Like the bodybuilders, man. Like it is, it looks from the outside ridiculous but it's such a serious thing, man, and I have so much respect for those guys and women that do that and the, what they put themselves through and but from the outside, it looks it looks ridiculous. And I'm always trying to get that within my photographs too. It's the spray tanning that looks ridiculous to me, but that's a personal thing. <laughs> it does look ridiculous, but there is a point to it. There are mm -hmm. methods behind it, and they all have their own little portions and ways to do it and times that they put it on and how they apply it and, um, and other little rituals that go with it. And I found this kind of thing in pigeon racing as well. From the outside, it looks ridiculous, but on the inside, it's utterly serious you know and it's life or death for some people i'm interested in what people do when they're not at work really they are allowed to be who they feel that they should be when they're not sitting behind a computer with a shirt and tie on doing accounts they can go rock and roll dancing on a weekend and dance like nobody's watching you know right and that interests me that kind of how people escape the life that they are forced into you know the one thing that interests me most about sort of your career trajectory is, is like you are literally almost like the poster boy for what every other person tells me in the arts industry and in the photo industry basically is it's who, who you know. Like, you know, that that seed that has grown, and don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying your quality of your work, but mm. the thing that really sort of like, took you over the edge was yeah. that meeting that initial meeting of Martin Parr and then all the support and everything and then mm -hmm. all of his network that has then helped assisted you in really uh, yeah, like, making it exponential so I mean well, so what happened is I put the work in and then got a promotion some people don't put the work in and expect the promotion some people run around in, in circles and they are doing what everybody else expects them to do rather than doing what they are doing and then Oh, they're only working nine to five. They're watching the people who watch the clock. You know, it's like I've got three hours left before I can knock off and go home. I never did that. I worked 16 hours a day for 15 years. Right. Actually, which is an interesting question. Like, I studied under Hank Wessel, uh, and he used right, to yeah. talk about how, how he, uh, he used to say how he literally every single day he would go out and take five rolls of photos a day. Right. Every, every day. Boots on the ground, man. <laughs> Every single day. So, like, are you like that? Do you? So, mm -hmm. is your practice like you have a, a set ritual of like I need to take X amount of photos every day, or I need to at least try to you know put myself in a situation where X amount of photos can be created every day? There's no really set ritual, but after if I'm in the house for two days, man, I just have to get out and photograph something. If I haven't got new photographs to look at to kind of study to figure out or not putting myself in situations where I can create that, then I'm not doing my job, man. You know, it's uh, like the expectation of, of me is to make photographs. And that's what I do. 
Well, and that's something that a lot of photographers have difficulty with. They th- they sit back and they think that they should be sitting and thinking about what they want or what they mm-hmm. should be photographing, mm-hmm. but they're not photographing. So, like, got, how will they ever know unless you go out and photograph? You've got to be making work to be yeah. learning from work. I've spent. We've been in lockdown. Um, well, it's not necessarily lockdown, but there have been restrictions placed upon us for ten days now. I was out. I've been maybe two weeks now. I've been in town every other day, if not every day, walking around making photographs and having absolutely no idea what it is I should be doing, no idea what it is I should be taking photographs of. But now, well, yesterday it clicked, and now I have a project to work on. Well, see, and that that's an interesting thing because, like, I often talk to other creative people and. Some people think that they, or some people work best in a way where they sit down and they think of an idea and they plan mm-hmm. the idea and then they go into the studio or go out and shoot or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to, to produce it. Other creative people start producing, produce and produce and produce. And then once they get to a certain point in the production, they suddenly sit back and go, oh, wait, I understand what here's this a, series is about. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. So you're, you're definitely the latter. Definitely the latter. I mean, yeah, I would say I was um, that way biased, definitely. It's not that I don't think about what it is that I should be doing or kind of make plans or do research. And I mean, but the same thing, man, if you like, I'm uh, like doing research into one thing can lead on to something else that was unexpected. So just Always. sitting thinking and going, well, I wonder what it is that I'm going to shoot today. You, just, you need to get out and do it. You need to be searching. You need to be, you need to be looking for it. You can't. Uh, it doesn't just come to you. Well, it doesn't just come to me. I have to go out and get it. And I find a lot of uh, photographers who don't really have any success. I mean, depending on how you define success, they expect it to come to them. They've done a, a degree, a photography degree, and don't understand why gallery owners, uh, curators, and art directors aren't on the phone every day. I know. I have three degrees and nobody's calling me. Right, there you go. I mean, how? <laughs> How it's easy. I mean, there are so many creative people that they go through. Even it doesn't even matter if they go through the educational institutions and all that. But like, there's so many creative people that are incredibly talented and incredibly good at what they do, but they fail miserably when it comes to being able to uh, sort of elevate their work beyond the beautiful object or beautiful whatever and and make it into a business make it so that they can mm. somehow sustain themselves and grow like that's the thing that where i th- i feel like academia definitely um falls short in helping these you know upcoming students like they teach them the craftsmanship they teach them the skills but they don't teach them how to actually earn a living from these right. craftsmanship right. and skills right but i th- i mean from my experience, a lot of people are intrinsically lazy. And if you're not out there doing it, or you think that you deserve it in some way, then it's just, it's not going to come. And like one thing that I remember very early on uh, when I started to understand photography was somebody saying, if you expect anything at all from photography, then you're expecting too much. Yeah, the term expectations is a word that I have problems with both on a a personal level as well as a professional level. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot have expectations because no matter where you put your expectations, the the rest of the world will never match it. So, Mm -hmm. like, you can't Mm -hmm. have those. Yeah, and then it'll be everybody else's fault. The photography industry is no different to really 
or the psychology of people is no different in any industry or any job. So you'll have people who will work to do their best every day and you'll have people who will nine to five and watch the clock before they, until it's time to go home. And there are um, a large proportion of photographers are like that too. And I see it. I know a guy, he's a very talented photographer, and he, one time I asked him, I said, hey, could you, could you come over and like just do a portrait of me if you like for social media? This is way back in the day. And he's like, um, I don't pick up my camera unless there's money involved. <laughs> and there's that attitude as well. There is that attitude too, you know. It's like no work is free if you're getting something out of it. I know, but it, I, I remember being very saddened by that from the hearing yeah. that, like, because he's very talented and mm. he refused to pick it up. And I'm like, well, but don't you ever like take pictures because you enjoy taking pictures instead yeah, yeah, of yeah. money and being yeah. involved? And he, he yeah. doesn't. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, no, man, it's just put the work in. And that's how it happened. Absolutely. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me it's while been a pleasure, in Matthew. quarantine. <laughs> while in quarantine absolutely absolutely